Well, I'm very uh, excited this morning. We have uh, a special uh, guest preacher uh, joining us today, and I'd like to take a moment to introduce him to you all. Uh, Dr. P.C. Matthew and his wife, Sibby, is with him today. They are the co-founders and national executive directors of Urban India Ministries, a gospel-driven ministry based in uh, Bangalore, India, uh, committed to transforming cities and homes uh, 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 Urban India Ministries was founded in 1998 as PC and Sibi witnessed the increase in the breakdown of families and marriages all around them and felt a very strong and clear call from God to step into that uh, situation and to serve God in reaching these broken families around them. After training here in the U.S. with Family Life Ministry, PC went on to receive uh, his doctoral uh, studies at Asbury Theological Seminary down in Kentucky, which has been in the news quite a bit recently, and I'm sure he's been following the exciting work of the Holy Spirit down there as closely as I know many of us have been. Uh, PC uh, is also author of the book, Becoming a Missional Family, Fulfilling God's Purpose in and Through Your Family, and uh, recently stepped into the role of global director of the WEA, that's the World Evangelical Alliance, uh, missional family ministry. Uh, being one of the pioneers of family ministry in India, PC and Sibi have traveled extensively across the country, across the globe, leading family marriage seminars, and they've passionately shared the need for Christian families to become more missional. They make their home in Bangalore and are parents to three amazing young men. More than all of that, uh, I have to share that PC is a, a great friend. Uh, we have known him for uh, many years now, and he's been a great source of encouragement to me personally to keep pressing into this vital work of family ministry, not just as something we do here in church, but in our own home and in our own marriage as well. So, uh, PC, it is truly a pleasure to have you here with us this weekend. Uh, I look forward very much to hearing your message. And if you come up, let me hear, let me pray for you as you begin your message. Lord, we are just so thankful for this opportunity to have our brother PC and, and his wife Sibby here with us this morning. And as he brings your word to us today, I pray that you would fill him with your spirit. Give him boldness, courage, authority to proclaim your word, your truth to us. Lord, I pray that you would bless our time here this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for those warm words. So welcome. It's a joy for me to be back. Uh, I know COVID has separated us a few years, and um, we're glad that we could travel back to U.S. as well as um, fellowship with you all again. Uh, it's, uh, it's a joy for us as a couple, as a family, to be connected to your church as well as with Pastor Rob and uh, Jonathan and, uh, uh, and the rest of the team. We want to praise God for these wonderful relationships that God gives us through this journey of life. And we get excited seeing one another the next uh, couple of uh, days. We are going to retreat together and we hope that would be 
a great time of fellowship, to learn from one another, and also see what God has in store for us as we wait upon Him. So uh, keep us in prayer. I bring warm greetings from Urban India Ministries. You heard that we established this ministry in the year 1998, which makes it 25 years this year. So this year we celebrate our Silver Jubilee year and uh, we have very many things that we have planned and uh, one big thing that definitely stands humongous which we do not know where to start how to start is to um, is to build a facility um, a family research training institute um, basically we've been operating this institute in our present premises but we sense that we need to move on because we offer a master's in family life education and master's in marriage and family counseling. It's seven years since you know we started this. So we have seven batch of graduates who have graduated with a master's program in family life education. And we felt it's time that uh, some of them also move into further research. You know, many of them want to do PhD studies and other things, and but we don't have space for uh, them to come over and stay there and do some research and things like that. So we are hoping and praying that uh, God will uh, open doors for us to uh, to have this dream fulfilled. Not just our dream, we want this to be the Lord's dream that we are fulfilling, not the other way around. So uh, keep that in prayer and keep us in prayer as we pursue what God wants to do through this ministry of UIM. Uh, that's how we are popularly known, Urban India Ministries, which the Lord enabled us to start in our bedroom converted office uh, a few years back. And uh, so today we operate as the largest family ministry in South Asia. So we want to praise God for what he has done and give him all the glory. Well, uh, the little time that we have uh, to meditate on God's word, I'm, I'm thankful for both those who read the scripture. Uh, it's a long passage. I'm not going to expose verse by verse, and that's going to take a lot of time. But what I want to do is uh, pick up some thoughts from this epistle that Paul was writing to the people at Ephesus. Um, we know that the theme here, you know, when we look at the context, the context is about uh, Paul writing to the church for church unity. Uh, he recognized that there are Jewish believers, there are Gentile believers, and they are all now worshiping together, and there are issues related to that. And so he is writing, or he's pouring out his heart as to how the body of Christ need to stay united and work together. But as he talks about how the body of Christ have to mature Together, he's also, you know, um, you know, uh, he's also aware that if the body of Christ has has to mature and be built up together, they also need to, you know, be united even in their homes because. When the home is strong, that's when the church is strong, isn't it? You know, so we believe that, and, and Paul is very clearly, as he's writing to them, as almost as he's coming to the end of his 
um, epistle or his letter to the church at Ephesus, uh, he goes on to talk about how do we live as spirit-filled people, you know, at home, not only at church, but also at home. And he gives certain uh, certain principles as to how they need to live it out for the glory of God. And so that's what I want to focus on. And I want to title my sermon as House on Fire. Okay, now we know that um, fire is uh, also symbolic of the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit is, uh, when the Holy Spirit came at the day of Pentecost, we know that, you know, there were tongues of fire. And so, uh, and even in the Old Testament, a lot of imagery of God's presence shone through fire. So I thought I could use that uh, term fire or that word fire for us to remember, but I'm going to use that as an acronym so it's going to be F-I-R-E. So you won't forget the sermon. Okay. So F-I-R-E. So how do we be a spirit-filled home? The first one is having the right kind of fellowship and forgiveness. Now, you uh, probably heard the person who read the scripture say, hey, I was, uh, there's a correction from 18 to 15. But I started with 18 because... Uh, here, Paul is suddenly talking about a dietary uh, law. You know, he's saying, do not be drunk on wine. Because we don't see anywhere he's talking about what food to eat. But suddenly there's an inclusion of, do not be drunk with wine. Now, wh- what is he trying to say? Is he trying to bring in a dietary restriction? No. He's saying, do not be drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. In other words, what he's trying to say is, just like when you are drunk and intoxicated with alcohol, how you get you know, carried away or you get controlled by the alcohol that has gone into you. You know, he's saying, hey, don't, and that will lead you to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit of God. So you'll be intoxicated with His Spirit so that what will overflow of you will be God and nothing else. And that is what he's encouraging the people at the church of Ephesus to do. That they will be filled with the Spirit of God so that they will overflow of Jesus Christ in and through their life and particularly even in their home in executing their roles as husband and wife and children, how they can live it out as spirit-filled Christians. So the first thing that he says, you know, instead be filled with the spirit and the verse, uh, verse 19 says, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs of, from the spirit. Now, when you are filled with the Spirit of God, the first thing that happens is you begin to communicate to one another in edifying manner. Till now you were hurting each other. Till now you were bitter with one another. But now you're going to speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. In other words, you are going to use, you know, use words to edify and to build up the body of Christ. And I think I want to leave that as 
my first principle of a spirit-led home. We will be encouraging one another through our conversation. We will be empowering one another through the right admonishing. You know, we will be we would be uh, talking to each other in order to, you know, glorify God. It is not just about what I, you know, it's not just about having conversation, but having spirit-filled conversation. And here we see in Ephesians chapter 4, you know, when Paul is talking about uh, um, the unity in the body of Christ, he goes on to share a few verses, which I just want to uh, highlight in chapter uh, 4, verse 2. He says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. In other words, he's saying, you know, your speaking to one another will come based on your attitude. You know, be gentle, be humble. You know, let humble words come out of you. And if the right kind of conversation need to happen, it definitely shows our attitude. You know, I mean, it definitely has to do with the way we think about one another. If we think badly about the other, right words will not come. So we really need to have the right kind of attitude. And he goes on to say, to speak, you know, the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. Where, does, where, where do we find that? Here um, in, in, in chapter 4, um, chapter 4, verse 15, he says, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. So speaking to one another in love, speaking the truth in love. Very often, you know, we try to um, not hurt one another. Uh, and so we don't speak the truth. We try to kind of uh, be very polished in saying um, good things even when things are bad. For example, imagine there is too much salt in your food. And uh, your spouse is asking you, how is the food? Now, what do you say? You know it's a bit salty. But you don't want to hurt. Oh, it's fantastic, darling. You know, we kind of use all nice words. Now, is that what we need to do? We are not asked to kind of tell, the, tell lies. But rather, speak the truth in love. You needn't have, we don't need to say, what is this? It's so salty. Instead of that, we could always say, hey, it's good, but I think. You know, salt is a little too much. Because if you keep saying this is good, every day you will get the same amount of salt. <laughs> so it's better that we understand we are called to speak the truth, but in love. And that's what Paul is saying. Hey, in a spirit-filled home, truth will be spoken. Truth will not be under the carpet. But it will be spoken in love. Because truth without grace can be very hurting, isn't it? You know, these are two sides of the same coin. Yes, one side is truth, the other side should be grace. Only when they both combine will that truth 
you know, make any sense. Otherwise, people will not want to listen to you. Okay, so here is Paul saying, you know, use those kind of words. And then we also see that, you know, let not anger take control of you. We recently did a survey with missionary families who are serving in different mission fields in India. We wanted to check how their family life is because we wanted to minister to them the last whole year. We've been ministering to missionary families. Um, it was prompted because one of the mission leaders, you know, in one of the meetings that I had with him, he said, you name the problem that any families in India are going, uh, going through, I can show you a missionary family is going through the same problem. He said, you, you, you name it. And so I was intrigued by that conversation and I thought, okay, let me try to get to know the problem. And then we did a survey. And in that, one of the issues that we found, almost 70 plus, 70 percent uh, plus, you know, I don't remember exact uh, the count, but I know it's about 70 percent of them said they have problem with anger. And that was shocking to us. Now, we can be in Christian ministry mission and sometimes we can feel very proud. You know, when I get angry, I just blurt out. But after that, I'm done. I don't remember that anymore. Now, that looks very noble and good. But when you get angry and when you, you know, spill out all kind of words, that's going to hurt enough people. You may forget it, but nobody will forget it. You know, so it's... You know, we need to learn to control our anger or we are giving the devil a foothold. I do not know to whom this sermon is, but, you know, if there is someone who is struggling with anger issues, I want you to know that in a spiritual home, anger is not the one which is taking control of us, but it is God and His presence and we need to learn to be gentle and humble. And also, it talks about, you know, let, in verse 29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only that is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. You know, sometimes we think we grieve the Holy Spirit by doing certain sin by doing that, doing this. But we don't realize that the Holy Spirit of God is, you know, grieved when we harbor bitterness, when we speak unwholesome words. And so we need to be careful that we do not cause the Spirit of God to be grieved by not speaking, not communicating rightly in our home. So that's the first thing that I want to talk about. You know, there should be good fellowship. And of course, forgiveness. You know, he's saying, you know, the, the, the chapter 4 ends by saying, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. You know, sometimes we can... Uh, we can harbor these bitterness in our hearts. And, you know, it was interesting. Um, recently, one of our staff went to uh, a slum close by. 
and he got introduced to the pastor there. And I believe the pastor told him about his church because we wanted to start some work there. So we were having conversation and the pastor said, you know, every Sunday when people come to the church, you know, they can't speak. I mean, they can't read and write. Some of them are, um, are, are not uh, very literate, but they know to read this four, you know, things because the pastor has explained to them and said, so these four, um, uh, I mean, there's a chit given to them with these four aspects. Do you have um, hurt feeling with anyone? And, you know, so on and so forth. Are you not in good relationship with your spouse and things like that. So four things are written. And if you tick any of it, the pastor says, don't offer your offering that day. You know, you are not supposed to put any offering. You can go back, reconcile, and then come back and put the offering. And I was telling, if that happened in my church, we will never get any offering. Now, this is a church in the slum where they practice this. And I was too surprised because forgiveness is such an important virtue. Because if we are following a God of forgiveness, we need to practice it at home. Amen. So, my dear friends, if there is bitterness, if somebody said, you know, being bitter with somebody is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. You know, that doesn't happen. Okay, so let forgiveness and uh, the fellowship increase. The second thing that I see here, he says, instead be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs of Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you notice those words there, it says, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, Always giving thanks to the Lord, the Father, for everything. Always, everything. Just keep, keep giving thanks. So, I stands for increased thanksgiving. It's not just saying thank you, thank you a hundred times, but it is thanks living. You're not just saying thanks, but you're living a life of gratitude unto the Lord. So your heart, you're making music in your heart. You're always thankful to God for what he has done. And you know what? why this is so important? The more we begin to thank God in every circumstances for everything, you are acknowledging the sovereignty of God over your life even when situations are not right. Even when things are not happening the way you have planned it, you still choose to thank the Lord because you trust in the sovereignty of God and you trust in the shepherd who is carrying you through every situation and you are able to thank him even through those storms. And that's what God wants. And that's what a spirit-filled home is all about. You don't lose perspective of who God is irrespective of what you go through. You know, this morning as I was preparing the sermon, um, I've been struggling with a back pain. And uh, I mean, before we came to US, we were 10 days in London. Um, we were having some seminars and meetings as well as the WEA con uh, retreat. So I was struggling with this pain. 
Most, you know, many places I was standing instead of sitting. When I sit, the nerve is compressing, so I've been struggling with this. And so, the previous day when I was uh, checking in, I was not able to check in. It was not allowing me to check in in the British Airways flight to, uh, you know, U.S. And uh, so, as I was trying, I'm telling myself, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to sit eight hours in this flight. I'm, you know, it was, it was hurting quite a bit. And next morning, we go to the air, airport and, you know, went to check in at the airline counter. The lady said, sir, next time when you are flying business, don't fr- come here. You can go to that counter. I said, I'm not flying business. I'm flying economy. I didn't realize the system bumped us up into business class. So both of us flew business, which means we can sleep and travel. Okay? So I didn't have to sit. Only when I sit, I have a problem. When I sleep, I don't have a problem. So I was lying down, and uh, I had no issues. And the Lord reminded me, hey, you wanted, you know, to, to try. You were wondering how you're going to make it. But see what I did for you. I'm not a frequent flyer. I'm not whatever, you know, nothing. But they just bumped us up into the uh, business class. And uh, this morning when I was in pain, I was telling God, Lord, what is this? Why are you not taking this? And the Lord reminded me about the business class. You know, many times we forget what the Lord has done. And we keep complaining. We keep grumbling. And we keep, you know, kind of uh, probably even interceding. But the Bible says, you know, present your request known to God with with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. Don't go to him thankless. Don't go to him as a person who has forgotten what he has done. But with thanksgiving, bring and make your known request to God. Is our home filled with thanksgiving? Or is our home filled with grumbling? Of what we don't have, or what we lack, what we, you know, uh, what we probably wanted but didn't get. Are we more talking about that at home, or are we continuously having songs of praise? Not just here in, on a Sunday morning singing three songs of praise, but songs of praise making music in your heart to the Lord. Only when our heart is filled with thanksgiving will we start making music in our heart to the Lord. And so, my dear friends, you know, a spiritual-filled home will have an increased thanksgiving. The third thing that I want to leave with you is... Realize and respect God-given roles. Realize and respect God-given roles. You know, whatever was read from verse 21 to uh, literally the end of, uh, sorry, um, uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 9. He's talking about the entire household, instruction for the Christian household. That's what the title says in my Bible, you know. Now, he's talking about all the roles, husband's role, wife's role, Children role, you know, the role of those days there were slaves at home. So slaves role, masters role. And he's saying, hey, in a spirit-filled home, they will realize that it is God who has given them these roles. And all these roles will be used to display Christ 
These roles are not given so that I can establish my right. Theological circles, most of the time, we... Now, many times, we kind of... I mean, in theological circles, most of the time, we keep fighting over these two words, headship and submission. And many times, people want to know, what is your stand on headship? What is your stand on submission? Now, if you look at both these terminologies, headship and submission, both are displaying Christ. Christ is the head of the church. And how did he show his headship? By bossing over all of us. Is that right? No. By willing to give himself up for us. How did he show his submission to his father? By willing to submit and willing to die on the cross for us. So for both headship and submission, who is the model? Jesus Christ. You know, in many seminars, I've asked people, hey, especially men, I ask them, can you, can you explain how this, sorry, uh, can you explain how this uh, headship works? Can you explain what this headship is all about? And then I get different answers. Headship means called to lead. Headship means called to um, take the decisions in the home. All these are the popular answers I get. And I tell them, read this chapter and tell me whether all what you said fits in here. Husbands, love your wife just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And then it go, goes on to say, in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own body. He who loves the wife loves himself. What is the most repeated word here? Love. So the role of husbands or what headship, you know, the way headship is actually explained here is explained by the word love. But most often, except the word love, every other word is said. Headship simply means you are a good lover of your wife. And submission. You know, some people, some women think that this part of the scripture is not inspired. <laughs> Submit. Now, submission. Submission is for the mission of God to be fulfilled. There is an order that God has brought into our homes so that God's plan for the family will be accomplished. It's not about who is big, who is small. It's not about whether you know, somebody is greater than the other at all. It's not about who does what chore. No. It is purely about the functional you know, responsibility and nothing else. But this submission is only so that the mission of God will be accomplished. But it is again said in the larger context of submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So when we respect that role that God has given us and not look down on the other through the role as if it's a flag of honor that God has given us in that role. You know, when we kind of submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, that's when we fulfill all that God has for us. And the same way, children are called to obey their parents. 
Now, children have to do their roles too. By obeying the parents, they are actually obeying God. And fathers, your role to train your children. Mothers, though Paul doesn't talk about mothers yet, probably they were doing their job well. I don't know why. But we need to now talk about mothers too. Career-driven mothers have somehow, you know, have not taken the responsibility of motherhood seriously. Now, these are all not American issues. These are global issues. So what I'm trying to say is, when we understand that God has placed us in the role of a father, in the role of a mother, in the role of a son, in the role of a daughter, you know, for his purpose to be accomplished, then we can be excited about the way we fulfill God's plan in our home as well. So spirit-filled home will take these roles seriously and will fulfill God-given responsibility. And lastly, we are called to endure the attack of the enemy. You know, verse 10 says, Finally be strong in the Lord. And in his mighty power. It's almost like concluding his, his letter. He's saying, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against this devil's scheme. One of the things I think being in this church all the more with Jonathan and Rob and others, you all will probably by now know the devil is on an attack against Christian homes and Christian families. Your home and my home is his target. He's not worried about somebody else, but he's worried about every Christian home that is trying to fulfill the plan and purpose of God because if a Christian home lives out Christian life, he knows they will be a generational blessing to, our, to, to, to them and to others. And so he always will try and attack your home and my home. So... The enemy is looking whom to devour. And our struggle, we need to understand, it's not against flesh and blood, but against our children, against our, our, our uh, loved ones, against our spouse. And we need to cover them in prayer. We need to keep scripture central to our home. Because otherwise... We know we can fall quickly a prey to the enemy. In the last 25 years of being in this ministry, there's one thing that we have seen. When people very enthusiastically get into this ministry like any other um, in a job, within the first week I can see them getting you know, kind of beaten up. They, they cannot carry on their work. They say, oh, I'm going through this, I'm going through that, and very quickly they will quit. Now, why I'm saying this is, this is a very important, you know, area that the enemy wants to attack. And so, my dear friends, let's learn to see things through the eyes of, you know, uh, through, through, through the eternal eyes. And let's not just see things physically. Let's see things spiritually. Let's begin to see the enemy of our soul working behind Various things that is happening in our home. 
Let's not just say, oh, this is because, uh, okay, he didn't do well or oh, she, she fell sick. You know, whenever we used to go for seminars, when our children were small, somehow the day we are leaving for a seminar or the previous night, one of our children will fall sick with high temperature. And we used to, you know, we used to just pray over the children, wrap them up and go. Now, over time, our children have named this as seminar fever. <laughs> they have seen this happen every time. So I remember, you know, once when we were going, this, this happened to our second son. He was having running high temperature. And we said, please be at home and uh, your grandmother will take care of you. He said, no, I'm coming. And he just walked and showed that he's doing well. Anyway, looking at his enthusiasm, though he was um, having high temperature, we took, him, uh, we took him with us. We had to travel to, from Bangalore to Chennai, you know, uh, in the train. And then when we were coming back after the seminar, he was perfectly fine. So I, I looked at him, I said, what happened to your fever? That was seminar fever. <laughs> you know, that's how we kind of called it, seminar fever. Now, we will see it. We will know it. Because the enemy of our soul is out to attack our homes and our children. So let's not, you know, kind of take it lightly. Because the traffic is against you. You know, he is throwing all his dot against you. Now, we read about the armor of God. I made an acronym for that so that you can remember, you know, T, traffic truth as the belt. The moment you have some falsehood, that's an easy way for the enemy to enter into your home. You know, keep truth as the belt. Righteousness as the breastplate. Okay, righteous living. And that's the breastplate against which the enemy can't attack. And be alert with, you know, always your, your feet fitted with the gospel. You know, you're always alert about his schemes. You're not sleeping. You're always alert. And then, you know, there is F, fortify your head with the helmet of salvation. You know, in, in India, we have a lot of bikers. People go through bike because that's a cheaper way of transport. And uh, in some states, they have compulsory helmet. You have to wear helmet if you go on a motorbike. But in some states, it's, it's fine. So when it's compulsory, they make duplicate-looking helmet, you know, in the sense it looks like helmet, but if you fall, your head will crash. Nothing will happen. So there are people who wear duplicate helmet in the church as well. Are you saved? Not sure, but looks like they're saved. <laughs> but that is not going to help you when the enemy attacks you. Your whole house will crash quickly. When the enemy attacks. So make sure that you are sure of your salvation. Okay, so fortify your head uh, with the helmet of salvation. And faith. Because when the enemy is throwing the darts at you, the only way you can, you can go against the darts is with using your faith as your shield. And I is intimacy through prayer. You know, keep praying at all times. That's what we, we read there, you know. Keep praying and pray also for me. 
you know, keep praying. And finally, C is the commands of God because His word is the sword that we fight against the enemy. So my dear friends, the traffic is against us, but praise God, God has given us a way to fight the forces of darkness and keep inching towards His purposes, but fulfilling the purpose and the plan of God in and through our life so that the kingdom of God is established. So my dear friends, you know, as I bring it to a close, a house on fire, I want to kind of ask you to check. How is your fellowship with one another at home? Is there bitterness? Is there unforgiveness at home? If that is there, you know, we cannot really go ahead and fulfill the plan and purpose of God. Secondly, let there be increased thanksgiving. If there's too much grumbling at home, let's stop that. Let's start thanking God. And thirdly, let's realize that God has placed us in our home with a purpose, given us our role with a purpose, and let's do everything possible to fulfill the purpose for which He has made, He has given us that role as a dad or mom or husband, wife, whatever that is. And lastly, remember, the enemy is against us and we need to endure the attack. The traffic is very high, but we can, you know, definitely fight the forces of darkness by, you know, understanding his purpose, by putting that helmet of salvation and facing him boldly so that we can go ahead and fulfill the plan and purpose for which God has called us into his marvelous light. May God help us to be what God wants us to be. Shall we look to the Lord in prayer? I want to take a moment as we pray to ask if there's anyone here harboring bitterness, not able to have conversation that is edifying, if there's any kind of disturbance in your relationship, this is the time to deal with it, with the Lord. Even before we partake of the bread and wine, maybe this is a good time for us to look into ourselves. Is our home a spirit-filled home? Or is it like any other home? Are we fulfilling the role that God has given us? Or has the enemy taken over our family? Or are we resisting the devil? When the traffic is high, are we able to use the armor of God and fight his forces? And if you say, yes, I want to dedicate my life so that my home will be a spirit-filled home. I want you to make a sincere prayer to the Lord. Lord, help me. Fill me, Lord. The word of God reminds, do not be drunk with wine which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit of God. Let's ask the Lord to fill us with His Spirit that we will be able to live it out for His purpose. 
Holy Spirit of God, we thank you, Lord. We praise you for what you, what you have done in our life and for who, for who you are. Lord, we ask you to fill us afresh and send us from here, Lord, with the determination to put our home in order that our home will fulfill the plan and purpose of God. To the end, we surrender ourselves. Thank you for speaking to us. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.